welcome back to the Livestock Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Millie Nolan, and today I'm here with Gina Pritchard. Welcome, Gina, not only to this podcast, but our team at the Livestock Collective. Personally, stoked to have you on board. How are you feeling? First week down, you feeling good? I know, feeling good, feeling like um, I've got a lot to learn in terms of um, programs, but yeah, no, feeling good. Excellent. Well, we're stoked to have you on board. And what we're going to do today is actually more of a conversation. Um, Hopefully, I think Gina's got some questions from me as well. So for the audience's background, I've never actually met Gina in person. We've had a couple of meetings. And so this is definitely the first taste of us meeting and getting acquainted with each other. So I'm going to start like we start with every other episode. And Gina, what are three words that you would use to describe yourself with? Um, Okay, so I used the same three words that were in my little job interview. So I had fun because I just get up to all sorts of mischief, I find, Um, driven, and then also eclectic just because I am just constantly doing different stuff. I've got no idea what's going on. So they're my three words. Um, Yeah. I love it. I love it. I think we are going to have a lot of fun just to just starting off from a few conversations so far I know I know I think it'll be so good um I think it's like good when you get to like do things with your like I don't know just like people that you become friends with and things like that too yeah absolutely like I know um when I'm on the road with uh, Holly our managing director or Chantelle has come on a couple of trips with me as well she's our comms manager we always tend to get up to lots of fun and it's a lot of laughs so excited to be doing some travel and events with you in the coming months I know I know I'm literally so excited um we've got that broom workshop and I'm so excited for that I'm really excited to have your help with that one (laughs) (laughs) yeah All right, um, Millie, I'm going to sort of put it back on you now. What are your three words to describe yourself? Uh, I describe myself as independent. I have always been severely independent and probably too far independent where I often struggle asking for help both in professional life and personal life. Uh, Energetic and certainly always feel like I'm full of beans and pretty casual like I find I'm pretty hard to think I can't do that or um yeah get upset or or anything like I I can take a hit take a joke um it takes a a fair bit to rile me up I was actually in um Darwin a a few months ago and I've got two older sisters and one of their friends asked me if I'm anything like my sisters because you know I don't spend a lot of time with them now because they're in uh, Victoria and South Australia and a guy from home piped up and said oh she's not much like her sisters but god she's like her dad I said, what do you mean? What do you mean? And he goes, oh, you just you just don't care about anything. You could just tell you anything and you'd take it on the chin. I was like, oh, well, that's pretty true. So I think, I think casual. I think it's needed in the, um, like, sometimes in the industry, though, like, you've sort of just got to be like, oh, yeah, sort of take everything with a bit of grain of salt, you know. It's probably what's got you to where you are because, you, you, I mean, you're just doing so well in the industry and I feel like you're just so known. So, yeah, it's like credit to you. Oh, cheers, Gina. Well, I'm stoked to be working with you over the next few months. So what actually prompted you to apply for this role with the Livestock Collective? Well, probably you. (laughs) 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 Yeah, you came to our um, 
so our university, like I go to Murdoch University and you came to our, when we were doing our sort of like agricultural committee handovers and like applying for positions. And I remember you did, um, you did a little talk to the committee about, I guess, just like um, your background and sort of like what you're doing now. And I was like, oh my God, I need to do that role. That's amazing. Like I just, I'm always chatting to people. And then I feel like I just love chatting to people in the industry because then it inspires me more to sort of like do more with the industry. Um, And then basically from that, I sort of had the livestock collective in mind for things. Um, We did the feedlot to um, to it appeal with uni and that's where I met um, Holly and I was like oh do you have any like job opportunities or graduate opportunities Um, and she was like oh we have um, casual work that you can do on the wharf and then potentially later in the year we'll have sort of graduate opportunities or some sort of work opportunity and I was like oh sweet so um, I did like a bit of work on the wharf and I think that was like a really good experience just getting just getting to see I guess the whole live export sort of process a bit better um, just so then I could like speak about it from sort of a more educated standpoint Um, and then from that Holly emailed me and she was like oh we had a um, like job posting basically and you might be interested in it so I looked at it and I was like oh yeah I'll apply for that but um even though I was like, I wasn't really confident that I'd get it, to be honest, because it said a lot about like communications and doing a lot of work in media, like in, in terms of our socials. And I was like, oh, I do not have experience <laughs> in posting things. Um, but yeah, I went for it. And then obviously you guys liked me enough to sort of like put me on, which is great. I'm so grateful. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I do remember doing that speech back at Murdoch there. Um, always great to go back to the unis and, and chat to the students. I was with Holly last week chatting to more students. And yeah, I've been so impressed with the calibre of everyone that I actually speak to at the universities. And I think it's really fitting that you have come into this role and feedback from some students that I was with last week said that you're perfect for the role. Thank you. No, they're the sweetest. I know because everyone was like, you need to do that job. It'll suit you so much. And I was like, oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, it's really... I guess, satisfying when you find a role that you can really flourish in. And I know um, if you chat to Chantelle, our comms manager, she always just says that communication, social media, media, everything like that, it's just people copying each other. And I've realised that it's true. You go on trends and everyone just does the same thing but puts their own twist to it. So mm-hmm. if I can... Yeah, um, yeah, if I can briefly pick it up, I'm absolutely sure that you you can <laughs> probably 10 times better than me. I can do the um, the public facing stuff, but behind the computer screen, I'm not that great. I know it takes, it does take a little while, doesn't it? To get rid of, like to get used to all, all the little programs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it does. And we're really lucky to have um, Chantelle on the team and probably um, she gets annoyed at me, for example, asking her a million questions about how all these programs and things work when I do actually get behind the computer. So hats off to Chantelle. She does do a fantastic job. So Gina, tell us about your studies. You're still at university, um, graduating at the end of the year? Yeah, graduating at the end of the year. Um, So I'm doing a Bachelor of Agricultural Science at Murdoch, which is basically then a double major in animal science and crop and pasture science. Um, So I've been like finding it's like really, it's been really good this last year, actually, just sort of getting a bit more in depth um, or sort of like uh, case case studies and things like that. I find that sometimes when you like start a degree, it can be so broad that you're like, oh, I can't actually tell where this is going, basically. 
Um, but this last year has definitely been um, a lot better. And I think just like um, as a community, we've sort of been coming together a bit more this year at, at uni and doing things together a bit more, which is nice. I guess COVID in the past sort of like hindered that. But um, yeah, it's so nice to be able to do things, I guess, with all of your peers. Yeah, of course. Love my mates from uni. Shout out to them. Were you always involved in agriculture? Like what was your childhood like? Um, so I did grow up on a farm, but it wasn't really like a um, working farm. It was mum and dad's hobby farm. So there wasn't <laughs> there wasn't like a big cropping aspect to it or anything like that. They just had a white suffix stud. And then I moved to the city when I was about 12 which sort of was interesting because growing up, like I was like, oh, a little country bumpkin kid. And then you move to the city and you're like, this is so different because you just not, you just don't do the same things after school. Um, and yeah, so that was like a big change for me. And also I went to, so I went to a girl's school in Perth, but then I was a day girl, which was sort of unusual again, because all of the like farming kids were obviously the borders. So that was um, a really interesting experience, I guess, to sort of see like the difference between your rural and like metro communities. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, I don't know about you, but I, having lived myself in Vic, SA, um, Queensland and Western Australia, I do love the West Australian farming community. I do have a, a very soft spot for that. And I know that some of your family members are based out uh, in the Wheatbelt or Great Southern now, aren't they? So you have that involvement as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My brother lives in Noangra up now. Um, and that's got a great community. Like every time I go down there for something, everyone is just so involved. And it's so nice to see. Like you go to their events and you're like, wow, this is great. Like it it does make you so it it's like exciting because then you're like, oh, people are definitely going to um enjoy living in these sort of communities. Like especially young people. And I guess that's what it's we're sort of trying to promote in agriculture like people moving back rurally because we want to say that there are the facilities for them there. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, Noang Grap is just an example of a lot of places in Western Australia and the rest of Australia that have fantastic communities. And I think like WA is really great in some of their sporting facilities. Like I'm a really big sports person myself. So I really value that. They all got some government grants a few years back, I think, and they've got some awesome um, facilities there. Do you play sport, Gina? Uh, so I was uh, a crazy horse rider. <laughs> oh, horse girl. <laughs> yeah, she's a horse girl, red flag. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I'm, I can't ride anymore. I had, a, I had a horse riding accident. It was quite bad two years ago. So unfortunately, no contact sports for me still. Um, but hopefully, I guess in the like coming years, I'll be able to get back into stuff. Oh, sorry, I didn't know that. Um, definitely emphasising to the audience that we genuinely don't know each other. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Actually, I'm surprised you don't know that because I've I have a bit of a joke with my friends that I say it's a personality trait now because I seem to bring it up so often. I'm like, did I ever tell you about that time that I had a horse riding accident? <laughs> <laughs> well, you brought it up in the first twenty minutes of us us chatting, yeah, so there we yeah, go. Yeah, maybe it's on tune. <laughs> What are your career aspirations? Like, I feel like you're at a really exciting time in your career where you're finishing off uni, um, you're starting part-time with us. We're a relatively new non-for-profit organisation where you probably could say we're in a pretty critical growth phase at the moment. You're the first new employee that we've brought on, I think, in almost two years. So that's really exciting for you. What do you want to achieve? 
Um, so yeah, I guess it is like really exciting coming into the collective and especially, yeah, especially it being such like a small little um, sort of like work community at the moment. Um, but this is the sort of thing I wanted to do with agriculture as a career. I sort of, I do love the actual hands-on um, practical sort of like implications of farming, but I also wanted to do something that's sort of related um, back to community a bit more in terms of like social media um, and just really promoting agriculture, I think, just to the wider community and saying like, hey, um, there's careers in agriculture that you probably don't even know about and maybe you don't even know that much about agriculture itself and I sort of wanted to just really like emphasize that agriculture is for everyone not just if you had a farming background or not. And if you could talk to you know someone from the city or someone that doesn't have a connection to agriculture what's one thing that you want to tell them that you'd want um, them to fully understand? Maybe that it's uh, I'm uh, maybe that it's not the stereotypes that you sort of have in your head. I think uh, like especially with this is what I find with myself going into agriculture, especially just that people always say to me like you are definitely not in agriculture because I'm still like very much into like my fashion and things like that. So I think I just want to I don't know sort of reiterate that the the stereotypes about the people that you like work in agriculture probably aren't true like where every it's just like normal people I think that they think they're like a bunch of hillbillies sometimes <laughs> from the city I'm like no um yeah yeah I don't know how to word that one <laughs> no you've done well I actually feel guilty I was at a um a ladies day which to be fair was in the country a couple of weeks ago that my sister did a fantastic job in organizing but I'd had three bowls in a row and I couldn't be bothered dressing up and so I just wore jeans and a drawers a bone because it was so cold and I rocked up thinking that you know a few people would do that everyone looked beautiful there was all these girls in gorgeous dresses and high-heeled boots and everything I was like oh god what am I doing where a dry spot? So I feel guilty. I feel like I need to change my image, be part of um, what you're saying just no, there. Part of the stereotype. <laughs> no, I think that's, but that's the other thing that's so great about agriculture is that no one, like no one judges you, I don't think on those aspects anyway. Like everyone is like so sort of like accepting of being like, oh, that's what you want to do. Then that's great. Like you sort of just like be your own person, but then also like fit into this community. Yeah, absolutely. And I know for me, like, that's a really important part of my life. It always has been. Um, I've always known growing up that I would somehow return to um, the country uh, and live rurally. I, I really enjoy that aspect and the mateship that comes through that community. Yeah, no, absolutely. Where do you think you're going to settle down then? Oh my God. I love this question because I, the, the most exciting thing is that I have no idea. I could genuinely end up anywhere in Australia, anywhere around the world, anywhere around the world. And I don't think it would shock me. Like I am, like I said before, I'm so seriously independent that I, um, yeah, I find it really hard to plan and, and worry. I'm just so confident in, you know, my ability to do what I want to do and enjoy wherever I am in Australia, because I have enjoyed wherever I have been in Australia, living um, on a farm in Victoria, living regionally in South Australia, Queensland, and both in the city and regionally in Western Australia. I, um, I've, I've loved it all. And I think wherever I go, I enjoy different aspects more. And then when I go to a new place, 
I can sort of see um, challenges and solutions a lot more clearly because Australia is so, so diverse. And I've actually lived overseas for a little bit as well. So, yeah, I'm, um, I don't know where in Australia I'll end up. Like I, WA definitely holds a soft spot in my heart. I do love Western Australia, but I have spent about three months um, back in Eastern Australia these last few months and I've probably enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I did. But I think that's also just my personality. Like I'm, um, I'm enthusiastic and energetic and I do just tend to really enjoy life. <laughs> so I don't know. Who would know? I'm talking yeah, five years know. time. We sound like the same person. Like I'm constantly going places too. And I'm like, I love this place. I'm going to move here. And then I'll go somewhere else. And I go, no, I love that place more. I'm like, I'm going to move there. And it's like, oh dear. Like everyone's like, where are you going to go next? I'm like, I have no idea. I know, but I think it's exciting. Like I haven't lived in New South Wales or Northern Territory. And I figure I might as well live everywhere and figure out what I like the best. And that way I, I know. <laughs> yeah, a little process of elimination. <laughs> That's at least you have a ton of contacts, even though yeah. you're basically. But yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Wherever I go, I, I seem to have mates that I can, um, yeah, try and catch up with, and I really value that. Um, and just a quick change of tune. What do you think are your are going to be your strengths in this role? Um, I guess my the strengths that I'd say I have for this role is my ability to sort of know what people in my like age bracket and things like that think about agriculture coming up through agriculture and maybe what we see as our concerns right now for the industry um, and how we think the industry can improve. Uh, And I think also just my, I'm just such a yapper. Like I will talk to anybody and everybody about anything. (laughs) So I I guess just, um, like, I think that's what's going to be good about helping you at events and things like that. Like, it'll just give me such, like so many more um, experiences with sort of networking, um, talking to people. So then I can also like help with that advocacy role. I'm really excited to bring you on board with this, with this journey. Um, how do you find it being a young woman in agriculture? That's actually what's so interesting because I feel like I've always, me and the girls always like, yeah the girls and ag like <laughs> we're like like all girl bosses um it's it's actually really good I've been so inspired lately I think when I was a bit younger there wasn't as many really powerful females um in leadership roles in agriculture but they're just popping up so so much more I just I don't know they're just popping up just so much more now um which is just so inspiring to see and it really makes you feel that women can do, women are just on a, like a level playing field in ag. Like everyone's giving them opportunities now. Um, it's Yeah, it's really good to see. Yeah, that's great that you have that, that confidence. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did one time get told that I was a good drafter for a girl. Um, <laughs> so didn't know how I thought about that one. I was like, Thank you very much. <laughs> it's like the backhanded compliment. Like, what does the for a girl mean? Yeah, sometimes you just got to throw back where well, you're funny for a guy and just see the re- <laughs> see the reaction. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I think that that's um that's where you if you continue to be consistent and provide that quality, and sometimes it is a bit of banter. Um, it does put you on that level playing field, as you said. 
have did you find I guess well you came through ag a few years um before me have you found that you've been given equal opportunities um being a female in agriculture yeah like I have never really thought of myself as a female in agriculture I've just thought of myself as a person in agriculture maybe it's because I'm a bit of a, a tomboy but I feel honestly like there's been there's been two situations where a man has you know put me down or, or made a comment and immediately it was other men that backed me up and you know had my back and, and support but there's probably been more females trying to tear me down um if anything and so i just see myself as a person in agriculture and yeah i have a really open mind to working with with men like i think that if we're going to forge a compelling future for agriculture then it comes from both men and women are like working together i actually don't think the conversation is always um very constructive when we talk about women in agriculture i think that i have had plenty of opportunities um, and it is what you make it almost like I don't think that I have been um, yeah any less opportunities than my equal peers that are males if anything I think my education system during high school where I wasn't actually encouraged to study agriculture I was studied to, encouraged to go into you know health sciences and things like that was probably the biggest hindrance to me actually entering ag and yeah that was nothing to do with I, I don't think being being female at all so yeah, that's, that's my personal um, view on it. Like I, I love my mates in agriculture and I'm so proud of the women in my life. Like one of my best friend managers, like 16,000 breeding ewes. I've got mates on live export vessels. I've got, yeah, mates that are girls and boys all over doing some really great stuff in ag. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is like such a progressive and needed outlook. Like I, I 100%, like 100% agree with what you're saying there. Um, like we need to have a, like a united front for agriculture and like progressing forward. Um, and yeah, definitely making the conversation like inclusive to, to all, not just sort of like looking at one demographic, I guess. So that's where, that's where I'm at. And I'm glad that we, um, yeah, both feel empowered as, you know, young people in ag. What are perhaps some of your weaknesses? I don't want to get negative, but we've just spoken about some of your strengths, which I think are very suited to the role. What about some weaknesses? Um, I'd say that sometimes I have, I sometimes second guess myself mainly because I think that I try and really perfect things. So then I'll go back and I'll be like, oh, I don't know actually about that. Like, let me just, let me just ask someone else. But, you know, sometimes you just, feel like you need to be like nope have the confidence to just go forward with it and just be like nope I know that this is like a sound bit of work um just send it off so yeah I guess sometimes like that because I'm a perfectionist I take ages on things because I'm like gotta get that little detail correct but it's like in the bigger picture of things it probably doesn't matter too much um maybe that I over talk <laughs> <laughs> don't worry man I probably people are going to be concerned when they say the name Gina and Millie doing a podcast together they're going to go god how long is this going to go for no I think that's fantastic and we like we need that in a team like I know I am hopeless at the last 10 percent worth of work I'm already on to the next task I like I move really fast and so I'm really glad that we'll be able to work together to make sure that we complete tasks absolutely and completely that's what happens, that's what happens when you have a million tasks to do <laughs> yeah it gets like that 
definitely gets like that. Yes. Um, maybe I want to sort of bring the advocacy question back on you. Why do you think advocacy is important? I remember when I was in your sport, Gina, like, you know, first one or two weeks in the role and I had been chatting to Holly about how, you know, everyone, I thought everyone knew at least someone in agriculture. Maybe it was their local butcher. Maybe they had a cousin. I think I was, just because I knew so many people in agriculture, my whole, you know, world was people in regional Australia. I um, I was really naive to the fact that there's actually 64% of the Australian population that knows zero, one or two people in ag. Yet we are a really key player in feeding and clothing, not only Australians, but the rest of the world. And that's something I'm really proud of. And so that for me, the real core of it is that yeah, people aren't as um, connected to what we do. And I want them to be because I'm so proud of it. Like I want to share that story. And there's certainly at times, and I think Live Export is a really fantastic example of this, where we haven't been on the front foot of conversations and the first access that people from the broader community have to some of our industries is some really terrible stuff when things go really terrible wrong, which is distressing for us as well as people along the supply chain. And I don't want that to be the case. I want agriculture um, and the people within agriculture to have a really strong and sustainable future and part of that is the broader community actually having faith that we can feed and clothe them and the world and do it in a way that is ethical and sustainable yeah absolutely um and i think it i think that is like such an important aspect of sort of like opening up the conversation that just so many people aren't aware like what actually happens um in our like agricultural practices because they just don't have the resources to sort of um like educate them and inform them of like what farming practices are and also i guess that farmers actually care so much about the welfare of their stock like you wouldn't be a farmer or a producer if you didn't um so yeah i think just really it's so important just to like educate the um educate just the majority of people and sort of um yeah shine a light on like how wonderful our industry is think what you'll find Gina with how we go about things is it's about connecting with them and having that really um respectful communication with people so that we can answer their questions even their difficult questions which is what brings me to my next question for you Gina is what's an aspect of our industry that perhaps you do find it a little bit hard to talk about uh, so I guess the conversation around live export can still be extremely like distressing to some people and difficult to bring up, especially when people have such preconceived ideas about what live export is. Um, I know like even within my sort of extended family, people that aren't from an agricultural background, it can sometimes be really difficult when I when I say like what I've been up to recently and I, I remember mentioning that I'd I'd done work on the wharf um, with live export and just sort of having to explain like this is the actual process of live export and I don't think it's something that we should shy away from talking about because we've sort of imp we've improved this um, this process dramatically and it is like a really safe um, and high animal welfare process now. 
Yeah. And how have you been going with those conversations? I know for me, like I've been having these conversations in Eastern Australia where people down South like maybe aren't so connected to that industry. And I've generally found people pretty curious and open to the conversation. How have you found them? Uh, yeah, definitely. I find that I find that a lot of the time it'll if I say that I have worked on the wharf, it'll always be like, oh, how was that experience? Like definitely curious to see sort of what actually goes on in the process and then just being able to explain like also I think it's it's quite nice to be able to explain from having an animal science background of knowing about welfare sort of um welfare sort of like cues which you can sort of see when an animal's distressed and things like that being able to confidently say there were none of these cues to sort of show that the animal is distressed therefore we can confidently say that this process wasn't distressing for the animal so certainly relying on your experience and knowledge in animal welfare animal welfare there that's great yeah. And I think I was also like going when I went into the actual um, wharf, I went into it with a very sort of just unbiased opinion on it. I want I wanted to see the facts straight in front of me. Like I wanted to be able to experience and go like like if say actually there could be improvement here or actually I'm really pleasantly surprised at the at the process. And that's how I felt actually working on the wharf I was really pleasantly surprised the process was really seamless and we even it was raining when we um when we were working on the wharf and like usually sheep don't move as well in the rain um but yeah they were still loading on so just like fine like they were just happy as Larry to be honest (laughs) just following each other I was like this is actually really nice to see Oh, awesome. Yeah, and that's certainly our values as well is that animal welfare and then communicating that, that to the broader community. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Millie, I just want to backtrack and maybe talk about your childhood a little bit. Um, do you have any memorable stories or things that have happened that you'd like to talk about? Oh, God, where to start? So I am, I'm the youngest of four, so I definitely feel like my elder three siblings got me into a bit of mischief um, growing up. But my dad was a farmer shearer, so we're from a farm in Victoria, which is pretty common around here for um, farmers to be shearers as well, and my mother's a nurse. And so the first few years of my life and my mum was, you know, off nursing in Hamilton, I used to go with my dad to the shearing sheds and I have such fond memories in the wool shed of you know the farmers wives taking me in looking after me and feeding me <laughs> feeding me um but I remember this particular day where we were, were shearing alpacas and there's actually a photo of me in my Winnie the Pooh pajamas in the shearing shed with my dad in the background shearing the alpaca and maybe it's because there's a photo of it as well that it's just stuck in my brain. But I do have such fond memories both on this farm, which was actually my mother's side of the family, and also at my grandparents' farm about 45 minutes away where, yeah, my dad was one of nine. And so I have so, so many cousins um, all out there. And I've got really fond memories of, yeah, just being on the land and in the wool sheds and with my family throughout my childhood. That's so cute. I, it's so funny when kids dress themselves. I remember <laughs> myself 
when I was younger, mum always just had rules that you'd, you had to have a hat and boots on and everything else was just whatever I decided. And I'd go down to the sheep yards wearing like a tutu and I'd then go, I'd go down to the sheep yards wearing like a um, wetsuit and then be back to front so I could actually zip it up myself. Kids are just the funniest. Like you always have your little farm rules, like make sure you have your boots, but then everything else is always a bit funny. Oh, I know, I know. And I've actually got a couple of nephews now and they're the exact same. Like, kids are just hilarious and they're so honest. I know. Oh, here's a good question. Did you ever get put on the sheep, have a little ride? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How terrible. Oh, my God. A hundred percent. I remember that so, so clearly. So we were actually... We're at a neighbour's yard and I remember this time so clearly because another young boy who I grew up with was on a sheep beside me and I just remember thinking that we just absolutely lived the life and so yeah definitely riding sheep when I was yeah a lot smaller than probably what I am now. Yeah, I don't think we get away. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so I think either. Sheep would be on my back. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about you? Um, yeah, I, I've actually got a story of when I was, mum put me on, we had these twins and they were, I think we like must've bottle fed them. I think they must've been twin orphans. And so they were just really friendly with us. And I remember just being little, little tacker and always be on the back of one of them. And one, and at one point they started headbutting each other. So I was like flying in with them. And then mum had to come running over and like, just whisk me off. Cause she was like, Oh, you're going to fall in. <laughs> you're going to get crushed in between them. <laughs> oh, how good are pet lambs? Uh, my first pet lamb I called Lamb Lamb Nut Nut. Um, not a, like I loved this lamb and it, it did grow up to be good sheep, but I also had one that I taught how to play soccer and I will forever remember that sheep. No way. You actually got it to kick the, like, or like headbutt the ball back. Yeah. Yeah, we used to chase around the yard. Like, I have such a clear memory of this. And I actually had a big staghound greyhound called Rocky at the same time. And I had taught him how to shake hands, which my brother was horrified because he was a hunting dog. And I taught this dog all these gentleman skills. And I had my pet lamb that I taught how to play soccer at the same time. They were were my best buddies. That's so cute. I know you do become such good friends with, like, all of your little pet animals. I almost feel like kids have this this extra sort of like ability to, <laughs> to communicate with animals. Like animals just love kids all the time. Yeah, I I definitely agree. Although I must say I'm better with animals than what I am with kids. And my sister who, and brother-in-law who have little, my little nephews now would certainly attest to that, but we won't go into that too far. <laughs> Um, Okay, Millie, so maybe I've got a question that will sort of help some other people out and probably myself with this role, but how do you manage your time? Uh, It is an ongoing learning process and probably one of my biggest weaknesses is that I feel a lot of responsibility to um, take on a lot and I have so much confidence in my ability to actually deliver upon that, but I probably do overexert myself (laughs) in doing so and I know that for me, like if I say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at capacity here, like I was probably at capacity a long time ago and I've just kept on pushing. And so I certainly am very much learning how to prioritise my own well-being, which I, is an ongoing thing um, that I definitely want to work on more. But I'm very much a work hard, play hard person. And so I know what 
um, drives me to actually relax and that is times time with my mates reading a book and certainly exercise and times outdoors like I, I love my sport and I love my friends and so for me it is work hard um, but then also I'm really good at just switching off and I'm in play hard mode and I just want to have fun and that's what actually helps me to, to keep on going. It doesn't always mean that I rest fully, but I do things that gives me complete energy. I'm also a really organized person. So I have to be, I, I guess, like if I fall behind the eight ball, then it just, it could easily just go haywire. Uh, so the audience background, I do a lot of travel, like some weeks in, or most weeks really in multiple states, sometimes three or four different states, delivering things all over Australia. And so I've become really, really good at traveling and managing my time through being organized, keeping records and prioritizing things, which I've always actually been really good at. So for example, in uni, I um, I ended up finishing my degree a year earlier than what I should, just because I went, you know what, you know, you're supposed to do four units a semester, but I did eight, a couple of semesters. I was like, you know, I can manage it. I can handle this. And I did, probably not with a, um, the most support from the unis who <laughs> were, I think, absolutely distraught with me. <laughs> but I just pushed in and I did it. I wouldn't, I absolutely would not recommend that, but it's an example of I'm good at prioritising my time to get my tasks done on time. And I actually think I graduated with extra credits. God, I think I'm a crazy person. That's like taking <laughs> another notch. I can't even imagine doing eight <laughs> Oh, I know. See, that's what I mean. I'm, I'm learning to, to hold back. But yeah, I'm like, it's just finding reward. And I certainly want to get like reading is probably the biggest thing that I have where I'm actually, um, you know, sitting down relaxed and can stay that way. Sometimes I eat dinner standing up because I just have too much energy. <laughs> <laughs> so embarrassing to admit on podcast. Um, so I'm definitely working working on that, but I do like to be busy. I thrive in those environments and I thrive off people. So finding what gives me energy and then yeah, using that in my life with my decision-making. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so important that you touched on also just like finding time to do things for yourself, like exercising and stuff like that, which can be, I guess, so beneficial to um, like both mental and physical health. But yeah, no, it is good. It's I'm like that too, with the keeping busy thing. I love to be kept busy. If I'm not doing something, I think I get anxious about not being anxious about work stuff. <laughs> and no, it's like a cycle. <laughs> and then I'm just like, oh my God, I should be doing something. <laughs> yeah yeah I know I definitely can definitely see that um so I maybe want to end this episode with a quote that you live by oh my goodness Gina so with my role I speak a, a lot um elective public speaking and things like that but panels are ones where you just get asked questions and they just get thrown at you and I was in Broome when this first happened this question got thrown to me and I was not prepared for it. And all that had come to my head was when I was a teenager, my brother-in-law said to me, you never get anywhere in life from being a tight ass. <laughs> so I'm up on this stage in front of like a hundred people and the panel's getting closer and closer to me. And I'm like, oh my God, why can't I think of anything else? And so that is certainly something that I live by, but I don't so much definitely in terms of money, which is the, I guess the literal way. Um, it can be, uh, I guess, interpreted. But 
for me, it's being generous with my with my time and with my love for my family, my friends, um, generous with my abilities. Like I, I often help people, you know, write their CVs and apply for different jobs and help them out. Like I'm accredited in personality and behavioural profiling and so help them out in that sense as well. So I think it's about being generous um, or not being a tight ass, as it says in the quote, with all those other attributes that you have. And another quote that I live by, which we mention a lot in our Livestock Leaders Program, is nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And I would hope that people that do engage with me to talk about agriculture, if one thing that I leave them with is that I do truly care, then that's a win for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's great. And I think that first one, there's so many different ways to like interpret that and sort of put it in a scenario. So I actually love that one. Yeah, no, it's funny. And do you know what? I got asked it on a panel a few months ago in Adelaide, the same question. And the same thing happened. I was like, oh my God, do I not have anything else yet? Why did I not learn from that experience? That's so funny. So what about you? What's a quote you live by? Mine, def- mine definitely isn't as deep as yours. Um, mine, there is an F-bomb that goes in the middle of it, but you can just figure out where that one goes. Mine's just say la vie. <laughs> Mainly because I've sort of, I feel like, um, I feel like just a series of unfortunate events, I guess, just like with my horse riding accident and things sort of just taught me like to just sort of let go of things like that. Like that's life. Don't really worry about it. Um, So I guess now that's what I just try and embody, I guess. (laughs) Just the flow. And I love that. I'm a very big believer that if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. And there's reasons for that, you know, despite the choices or decisions that you've made. And I think me coming to accept certain, you know, things in my life um, has come from, yeah, that learning. And it is hard and it doesn't always come easy. But if you can do that, then you can certainly become a really resilient person, which it sounds like, yeah, you are. And your accident and over overcoming that um, with the support of people around you is, yeah, an absolute testament to you yeah absolutely and it's been lovely to actually get to know you in this more formal environment um in this podcast recording i feel like we've answered or asked a lot of questions about each other we probably wouldn't um over a longer time even if we were you know working together face to face all the time so this has been great no this is good every new employee must need to have a little podcast crash course (laughs) yeah yeah and for the audience a reminder that Gina will actually be maybe helping me host this um which I think you can tell from her voice and her enthusiasm I think she's going to be absolutely great at and I know if she's anything like me um which I think she is she's really looking forward to connecting with all of our wonderful guests that come on this podcast as well yeah absolutely so thank you for having me on and I guess everyone else might hear me again soon Yeah, thank you so much, Gina, for coming on this podcast and giving me this opportunity to um, interview you in, I guess, in conversation in this special episode. Looking forward to working with you from here. And of course, it cannot be an episode without all of our wonderful listeners. So thank you for joining us. Uh, I know that you're really going to enjoy Gina as a host in the future. And if you do enjoy these episodes, make sure that you are leaving reviews, recommending us on Apple and Spotify, and of course, following us on all of our social media platforms. (music) 